My youngest son's not in this service. He's, he's volunteering for Children's Church. He's, he's 13 years old. And about a year and a half ago, he was casted in this musical. It was an adult musical, but he had one of the kids' roles, a Fiddler on the Roof. Now, Lincoln is just this really fun kid, but he has some physical limitations that have kept him from playing sports, and sometimes most people wouldn't notice, but it keeps him from participating in some aspects that kids uh, uh, enjoy. Well, there was a part in this play called The Bottle Dance, and it's when drunk Russians try to balance a bottle on their head while they dance. Now, my son did not get drunk to play this part, but he was cast as a child in this part. And, And when we heard about it, and I first saw what it would be like, I thought, there's just no way, no way Lincoln's going to succeed at this. Because they had to balance the bottle, and they had to do some in- intricate kind of dance moves. I'm, I was going to show you, but I decided I didn't want to, one, split my jeans, and, and two, there's a high probability I would pull a muscle. So th- those are two good reasons. But, but the, these, these intricate dance moves, sometimes he would be on the, he would go to the ground and jump back up. And in fact... Um, this was, this was such, such hard work that, that he had to practice to where he, he, he uh, rubbed holes in his knees. Now, it used to be we would patch those things up. Kids stopped doing that about 20 years ago when clothes got really cheap on the back of third, third world labor. But we won't talk about that right now. I, how many remember when, when our parents used to patch our jeans, right? That used to happen in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, but we actually had to find a patch and patch his pants because he had to practice so hard to balance this bottle on his head. And I'm just thinking, there's no way this is going to work. So the first night, the first night, he had never actually completed the whole bottle dance without it follow, falling off his head. So Beth and I were sitting there watching this. And I felt like it was the Olympics. Have you ever seen the Olympics where they show the parents in the crowd? And they're like, on every move, you know, they're like holding each other's hands and looking around. And the little section where we were sitting in, uh, the people were watching us. They were looking down the aisle. Some people were looking behind. And we were just, we were just, at every move, we were watching that kid. We were just holding each other's hands and hoping he would make it. And that first night, he made it all the way through. Second night, all the way through. Third night, all the way through. And the fourth night all the way through again, the whole time. I mean, you would have thought uh, this was the Super Bowl. You would have thought this was the biggest athletic competition. We were just on the edge of our seats. And I was thinking about that story because I, I really wanted to save him the embarrassment. I wanted to save him and think, think, oh, let's just do a workaround. Let's see if they help you not participate. But Lincoln decided, hey, I want to do this. And he didn't quit. It made me think about how many times in life Uh, do we quit prematurely? How many times in life do we quit too easily? I I think when we get to heaven, when Jesus wipes away the tears from our eyes, some of the tears will be tears of regret because we'll just think, man, if I just would not have given up, if I would have just stayed a little longer, if I just would have pushed through, there's no telling what through God could have happened. Well, today I'm talking to you about persistence in prayer. Uh, persistence in prayer, and you're going to have to take extra good notes because you can't fill in the blank. You're going to actually have to write, uh, as you see, that again, because Melissa left town, the back of your review just says notes. That's it. It's like a blank, blank sheet. That gives you more room 
to, to make your grocery list if that's what you do on Sunday mornings during the sermon. And I'm cool with that, right? I'm not even insecure about that at all. I, I believe you can do both. You can make your list for the week and still hear the word of the Lord. So we're okay. So don't, don't feel like you're judged or anything like that. But if you want to take notes, you're going to have to write it down. So write down persistence in prayer because that's the title of the message. And to have persistence in prayer, uh, we got to have something within us that doesn't give up, that keeps fighting, that keeps going. And here's our first point today. Our first point is this, don't give up on yourselves. Don't give up on yourself, right? Hey, if you want to be persistent in prayer, you can't give up on you. You can't give up on who God's made, God, who God has made you to be and what he has called you to do. Now, one of the reasons we're doing this series on prayer is, is primarily because God led us this way. And Chip and Aubrey did great jobs the last two weeks preaching on prayer, giving some really practical steps. I gave some motivational steps. They gave you the practical stuff. Now we're back to some motivation again because I wanted us to keep going, keep praying. So, so we wanted to grow in prayer as a church this summer. We wanted to grow in prayer as individuals. And so in anticipation of this, back in the spring, that kind of April, May-ish time, Guys, let me tell you something. I was praying quite a bit. I was praying, and, and, and prayer was going pretty good for me. And I was thinking, man, this summer, this summer, this sermon, sermon series this summer is going to be good because I'm praying right now. I started scheduling prayer out on my calendar, and I would tell Melissa, our secretary, hey, hey the next hour, you know, next hour run interference because I'm dedicated to prayer. I met with our prayer team on Thursday mornings. Uh, I had prayer partners. I even mentioned in another sermon when I was on vacation, I even had a great time of prayer. And I'm just thinking, oh, man, from this point forward, I'm going to rock in prayer the rest of my life. It's kind of like when you go to the gym 30 days in a row and you think, I'm never going to miss the gym ever, ever again. I'm never going to eat bad again. I will never have anything fried again. I was thinking the same thing. I'm going to pray every day, an hour or a day at least, for the rest of my ministry. And by the time I preach these sermons in the summer, it's going to be so good. I mean, I'm going to have moral authority. I'm going to be prayed up. I'm going to be really able to just bring it. Hey, guys, now the summer came. All right? And I'm still praying, all right? I'm still, I'm still praying for you every day. But, you know, there's different types of prayer. There's the prayers of, like, digging down, really praying for CIL, seeking the Lord in the heavenlies. And there's that prayer that goes something like this. God bless CIL, Lord. I give it to you. And then go on with my day. Now, I tell you this. Um, I guess it's a bit of confession. I know it's really weird when pastors do public confessions during their sermons, but I'm still praying. But here's the reason I'm telling you this. You know, my rhythm changed. Had a couple trips this summer. The kids are around the house more. I don't have my happy places not available as much. Um, you know, I, I've got to take Luke to, to, to football practice, and the coaches don't stay on schedule, so we have to wait around. And then we have to, we have to all, this, all the schedule is all messed up, right? So what do I do? Do I stop preaching on prayer? Or do I stop praying? Or do I believe just because I'm not praying as good in June and July as I did in April and May, does that mean I'm just going to give it up? No way. I just, these last, this last few days, you know, is, is my prayer life's been invigorated and we're taking those habits and customs. We're going back to them. Here's what I'm trying to say is don't give up on yourself too soon, right? I mean, this is a lifelong journey, and you can apply that to anything. You can apply that to fitness if you want to. You can apply that to reading. You can apply that to professional development. But we're talking about prayer today, and prayer 
and prayer touches all of those things. Don't give up on prayer too soon. I love the attitude of Jesus. Sometimes we don't see the determination in Jesus, but in Luke chapter 13, starting with verse I think it's 36, it was 31, close enough. It says this, at that time, some Pharisees came and told him, Jesus, go get out, go get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. Like, shoo, Jesus, get out of here. And this is how Jesus responded. He said to them, go tell that fox who is Herod, look, I'm driving out demons and performing healings today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will complete my work. I will complete my work. Do you see the determination Jesus had? I'm going to complete my work. I'm not going to let Herod get in my way. I'm not going to let human opposition get in my way. I'm not going to let adversity get in my way. I'm going to complete my work. And I'm just going to tell you, brothers and sisters, we're all called to be men and women of prayer. I don't don't really care about what your prayer life has been up to this point. I'm encouraging you today, restart. Today, lean in. Today, let's get going with prayer once again. In the book of Galatians, they started relying, uh, the, the church of Galatia began to follow Christ by the message of grace. And then all of a sudden, people infiltrated their church and said, hey, no, it's not just about Jesus. It's not about his grace. You got to do all these things too. You got to do all of these rules. And there was a part of that scripture that jumped out to me that I think we can apply to this persistence in prayer. And in in Galatians, if you can put the scripture up for me, Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, Paul asked this. He said, you were running well. Who prevented you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from the one who called you. Let me ask you this. Who's keeping you from giving God your best? Who's keeping you from developing persistent prayer? Who's keeping you from a regular devotional life? And, and often it's not outsiders. It's us ourselves. It's giving up on ourselves. It's believing the lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy. It says, well, you're not disciplined. You're not systematic. Uh, you've made vows to the Lord before. You fell before. Listen, this, that's the accuser that's bringing your past against you. That kind of persuasion doesn't come from the God who's called you and empowered you and given you a vision for your life. Don't give up on yourself because the best is ahead if you believe in the God who can empower you. So persistent prayer means you don't stop praying. You don't give up. You go all the way with God and with what God wants you to do. Back in the 80s or 90s, there was this movie called Shawshank Redemption. Morgan Freeman played this prisoner who had been uh, incarcerated for decades. And throughout the movie, throughout the movie, they would show this scene where Morgan Freeman, and he, he had a character's name, but I don't remember what it was, and I didn't feel like Googling it. But um, he, he would go in front of the parole board, and he would give this passionate, eloquent speech asking to be paroled, and it was denied. And then throughout the movie, throughout the movie, that scene would happen again. Denied, 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 denied. And towards the climactic part of the movie, this, this character played by Freeman would came up in front of the parole board, and he asked once again, but he had no, he had no confidence that they would grant him this parole. So he kind of asked loosely. He kind of asked with a 
different kind of attitude. But he, he, he kept going back and he kept asking. And in this particular scene, he asked with, with, with really no hope. And to his surprise, they said, parole granted. You're free. You're free. And there was something about persistence going back over and over and over again that in that, in that work of drama, we could see the power of that. We often say when we're working with, with kids, working with, with kids and families, working with parents, if you ever have coached a little league team, if you've ever taught a classroom, if you've ever been part of teenagers, you know this with parents of children and teenagers, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? And, and that's why it's important, it probably is important that we're involved as parents. You know, I think we need to, we need to get involved with our kids and go to those parent-teachers conferences and and send emails and do all that kind of stuff because those who speak out get something. I mean, usually when we keep asking, we get it. When we're persistent, we get it. When we fight through the excuses, when we fight through the limitations, when we, when we just keep pushing, when we kind of persistently keep giving the request, keep giving the request, usually in the natural, the answer comes. This is what Jesus was saying. Here's our second point today is don't give up on your request. Don't give up on your request. Keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. Let's go back to the text that we read earlier today. Verse 3 of Luke chapter 18. And a widow in that town kept coming to him. This is Luke chapter 18, verse 3. She kept coming to him, saying, give me justice against my adversary. I mean, here, it's not about volume. It's not about technique. It's not about tone of voice here. It's about persistence. It's about going, keep, keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. I imagine in this illustration, there were times when the, this lady didn't feel like going to the judge. She didn't feel like going through her, her cause again and giving her speech again, but she kept going, persistence, 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 kept going. For a while he was unwilling, verse 4, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect man, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Now, I want you to understand something. Jesus here is talking about a human principle that even when people are not on our side, if we're persistent enough, they, they just get annoyed enough to give in, all right? I mean, this has happened to you. Maybe you've been on the other side of, of the conversation where uh, you're just tired of someone asking you for the same stuff over and over again. So you just give it to them just to get it over with. Just to get, this is a human earthly principle. And Jesus is going to say this, but God is different. God is different because he wants the best for you. And so if this earthly principle applies, how much greater will it apply in the spiritual? Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 says it this way. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I, I'm, so, I'm so happy with one of the songs Beth sang today, or, or really more the message she gave before the song, because she called us to faithfulness. She called us to faithfulness. The Holy Spirit was moving because she, you know, even though we live together because we're married, we don't always have time to like, you know, coordinate the message and the worship. I know y'all think that we talk about just 
this church service 24 hours a day. I know y'all think that, you know, but we, we actually have other things going on in our life. And so on this particular week, we didn't have time to really connect the sermon and the worship, but the Holy Spirit was operating. The Holy Spirit was moving through her because she was saying, be faithful. Don't give up on your prayers. Be faithful. Don't give up on the thing God has promised you. That seed that is dormant, that seed that is underground and you think is lost. If we don't give up and if we believe in who our God is, God can come through. And, and Colossians 4.2 is saying this, be steadfast in prayer. Now, why do you think God does that? I mean, I, if, I think it would be a whole lot more convenient if when we just ask for something, God said, all right, I'm going to answer it right there. But there is a reason, there's a timing of the Lord. And for our character and for our trust and for what we need, we need to depend upon the Lord. And he calls us to keep going back, keep asking, keep connecting, keep, keep going back to the Lord. And that's what he wants. It develops our character and also his timing. He knows when the breakthrough needs to happen and how it needs to happen. I saw a movie this week that uh, was a good movie, uh, and I enjoyed the artistic qualities of it. But the end didn't have the resolution I was looking for. It had an unexpected, unexpected ending. I would even say it was a sad ending. I would tell you what movie it was, but I don't want to be a spoiler. So I'll just give you a hint, and maybe some of you can figure it out. I'm going to give you two syllables in this movie. La, la. Now, you may not know what movie that is, but in case you don't, uh, that's just a little bit of a hint. So in this, this unnamed movie with the two syllables, la and la, um, it just was a big bummer the way it ended. All right, sorry if you hadn't seen it yet. Uh, you know, it's been out for a long time, so I don't feel too bad for you. But it was just like sad. It kind of messed up my emotions a little bit. I was like, oh man, that's not really how it's supposed to end. It's supposed to be happily ever after. It's supposed to be like everything's supposed to be good at the end. And it made me start thinking about movies and the type of movies that I grew up watching. And I'm probably the only person under 70 in here who used to watch John Wayne movies. Does anyone even, how many in here have never heard of John Wayne? Let me see your hand if you've never heard of John Wayne. Okay, there's a few of you in here. So John Wayne um, is, is like a, this, th he had great cowboy military movies and he was just really a cool guy. And I love John Wayne movies because maybe I'm not sophisticated because I knew at the end uh, John Wayne was going to come through, right? I mean, he was going to win the day. He was going to shoot the adversaries. He was going to save the damsel in distress, okay? And, and so then as I got a little tired of John Wayne, um, this is another kind of public confession here. So, so judge me not. Uh, 007, those James Bond movies, oh, man. Uh, mom's in the second service, so she doesn't need to know. I used to watch shows back when I was a kid and, and teenager, that double, double of seven. But James Bond, man, uh, there was incredible car chases. Uh, people be hanging off of planes. They'd be propelling over, uh, uh, over space itself, uh, 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 spaceships holding on. And they'd hold on for life. And, and it was kind of, it created tension. But you knew in the end, 007 was going to have some kind of gadget in his watch, right? Right? He was going to do something, Right? So he, you knew he was going to come through. It wasn't too stressful. It wasn't too stressful. And, and now, I don't really like all these Marvel movies now. That's, it, it, what's happened to the creativity of Hollywood? It's like the same movies over and I forgot. We got some Marvel people in here. Robert Crane, I'm sorry, dude. Sorry. We'll, we'll talk later and all that. But, but, you know, I'm not into them, but I go see them with the family and all that. And, and sometimes these Marvel movies can end dark. But you know there's going to be a sequel. And you know in the end, Spider-Man's going to win. You know Batman's going to win. Is he a Marvel guy? 
Okay, well, okay. You know that Captain America is going to someday be good again, right? And so, yeah, there might be some temporary stress, but you know, in the end, it's going to end well. That other movie with the syllables law and law, man, there's no sequel to that. That thing's over, right? That thing ended bad. That thing messed us up. But these other movies, you know, hey, don't get too stressed because they're going to end good, right? So, this is what I'm saying is that there's this confidence. You know how the story is going to end. You know how the script is going to end. And it gives us confidence. Here's our last point today. If you want persistent prayer, don't give up on your God. Don't give up on your God. Now look at the contrast Jesus was saying. Jesus was reminding them of this story and we can all relate to it. Either we've really bugged somebody, a parent or a boss until they gave in. Or we've been on the other side of the, the equation, the conversation where someone has pestered us and we have given in then. But our God, our God is more, more than a, a selfish entity. Look at verse 6 of Luke chapter 18, our text today. Then the Lord said this, listen to what the unjust judge says. And I love this line at the beginning of verse 7. Will not God... Uh, how about that? Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay to help them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Will not God, will not God take care of his elect? I know persistent prayer can be a challenge because we've got to fight through temporary disappointment. We've got to fight through our own agenda. We've got to fight through our own timeline. We have to persevere when things don't come when we want them to come. But if we trust that we have a God, a God who cares for us, a God who loves us, a God who isn't just trying to get us to, to, to shoo us away or to get us out of his, uh, to get his attention somewhere else. He's a God who intricately cares for the needs of our life. And our God will come through for us. This is what gives us faith to pray. And so those things that you've been praying about, that you have not seen the answer yet, that you, you've, almost, um, you've almost developed this, you started off praying for it, but you've just kind of backed off a little bit. Keep praying. Keep seeking God. Keep persistent in prayer because Jesus said that if there's an earthly principle that you can understand, just think about when God gets into the equation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24 says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, I love this, verse 24. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. How many know that God doesn't call you and then abandon you? God doesn't call you to do something and then check out. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. When you are at the end of your strength, when you're at the end of your ability, when you are at the end of your wisdom, when you are at the end of your perseverance, you have a God whose strength has no end. You have a God who has no limit to wisdom. You have a God whose arm is not too short to get involved in the deepest issue of your life and your God will come through if you just keep believing in him. Don't give up. Don't don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on yourself and stop praying. Don't give up on asking. But most of all, don't give up on God. Our God can do the impossible. Our God can break through. Our God can come. Sometimes it's at the midnight hour, but we find out later that's just the right time 
when God is involved. 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting with verse 11, says this. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher. And that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed because I know the one I have believed in and I am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. How many know that when you walk with God long enough, he begins to persuade you? You know, when we're new in our faith, we hear sermons like this. And we say, yeah, God's going to come through. God's going to be faithful. God's timing's right. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad Aaron's saying this. I'm glad Aubrey's saying this. And Deborah and Chip, yeah, I'm agreeing with it. I'm agreeing with it. But then there comes a time when it's not that we are just having leading words to position our minds, that we become persuaded ourselves. We think, I remember when God came through when I was sick, he gave me strength to get through that day. I remember when I was, the doctor had said that there was no hope, but then the next checkup, things changed. I remember when we didn't know where, uh, where the next mortgage payment was gonna come from, but God came through. I remember when my marriage was broken and I had no hope, but the Lord broke through. I'm persuaded that the one who has called me, the one who has called me to be blessed, the one who has called me to walk in victory, the one who has called me to be a parent, the one who has called me to be a, a teacher, the one who has called me to be a spouse. He is faithful and he will do it. I am persuaded my God will come through. That's what the great thing about faith is. Faith is not something we produce in our mind. Faith is something that we react to when we see the greatness of our God. And so this is what the Lord's saying to us today. 2 Corinthians 4.1 Therefore, since we have this ministry, because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. Right? Hey, God didn't give up on me. I'm not going to give up on myself. God didn't give up on me. I'm not going to give up on my prayers. God didn't give up on me. I'm not going to give up on Him. Because we were shown mercy. We do not give up. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for the power of Scripture. The power of Scripture to stir us, God. Now I want you to begin to position yourself to hear from the Lord right now. Sometimes we're like, all right, sermon's over. We're, we're gathering up our stuff and ready to leave. If you need to leave, that's okay. I, I, won't, be, I won't be mad at you. But, um, but if, if you got these last eight minutes together, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come in here right now. I mean, He's here. He's here already. But we need to ask, don't we? He's here, but we need to ask. Holy Spirit, come right now. Holy Spirit, come. And Holy Spirit, begin to breathe life on dead dreams. Holy Spirit, begin to resurrect prayers we haven't prayed before or we haven't prayed in a long time. The Lord wants to resurrect prayers. Thank you for the parents' prayer. Thank you for the grandparents' prayer. Uh, thank you that parents grandparents you have deeper pains than others you feel the pain of, of the prodigal more than others you feel the pain of rebellion more than others but also there's a deeper prayer there's a deeper prayer it's just like mary mary pondered things in her heart about jesus because the lord had positioned mary to know more about jesus than anybody else so he's positioned those children and grandchildren and even a parent in your life and he's going to give you the burden he's going to give you the burden and it's a good burden because he carries a burden with you and the Lord says he's going to resurrect the prayer. Don't stop 
praying for them. Don't stop praying. It may be unhealthy for you to spend time with them. It, it may not even be good for you. You're not even the messenger sometimes to confront them with their sin. But you can pray and you can open up the heavenlies and the heavens and believe that there's a God who loves the person you love even more. There's a God who will not give up on them because we were shown mercy. Because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. Because we were shown mercy, we don't stop when the Christian faith gets hard. Because we were shown mercy, we don't settle for average when God's calling us to best. Because we were shown mercy, we push through. And we push through even our physical limitations. Some of you, it's hard for you to get to church. And maybe it's physically painful for you to go to church. But if God hasn't released you from that, you need to push through that. Because there's an anointing that comes from being in the body of Christ. And you may be sleepy on Sunday. And it may hurt your back may hurt or your leg may be hurt but you need to be in the house of the Lord you need to be in the house of God and no more excuses God says your excuses are not acceptable your excuses are not acceptable because he wants you to go to the place that he's called you to the one who has called you is faithful and he will finish it and he will do it and Lord we thank you for that Lord Lord, release dreams today. Release vision in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray a release of vision, God, in Jesus' name. I, I, I know that a lack of hope causes us not to have vision anymore. But the Lord wants to release vision for the areas he's called us to. Vision for your family. Don't give up on your kids. I know that's just a theme that keeps recurring as I'm praying. Don't give up on your dream for that. Don't give up on your dream and your vision to be debt-free. The Lord who called you is faithful. You may have had a setback. There may have been a disappointment. Cars do break down, right? Stuff does happen. House repairs do happen, but that doesn't change the character of God. God says, the one who has called you is faithful, and he will do it. If you have a vision to be debt-free, believe again, pray again, work towards that again. The Lord who called you is the one who can do it. Some of you feel like you are have hit a wall professionally. The Lord wants you to know this, is that he breaks through every wall. He breaks through every wall. He breaks through every ceiling. You are not stuck when you follow the Lord. The Lord wants you to know you are not stuck when you follow him. The Lord has plans for your work. He has plans for your employment. He has plans for commerce. And the Lord will show you what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Be faithful to what he's shown you today. Be faithful to what he's called you to today. Don't give up. Don't, don't give up, but persist in prayer. Persist in faithfulness, and the Lord will do it. We thank you, God. We thank you for speaking your word to us. And so now, Lord, we, we, we respond to your word today. And we thank you. I'm going to ask for prayer partners to join me here at the front. Pastors and other people who are, who, who are called to pray. Join me here at different spots of prayer. We're going to open up communion. And, and what will help us as, as, as uh, more of us are worshiping together. If you want to um, come down this aisle, either to the front or the back, you can return on the far right. Return in the middle. Use again this aisle to come either to the front or the back. You can return off the side. And if you want to take communion, I won't give further instructions, but it's available for you today. It's available for you. And we're available. I'm going to be down here to pray with you. And Judy and Daniel and Rachel, we're here to pray with you if you have a need in your life. And um, let's turn to our God. If you want to take communion today, you can take it on your own. You take it with a friend, but we'll center on Jesus. Father, we pray as we respond to this message and word as we pray for one another, as we go to your table, God, Lord, seal your work in us. May it happen by the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're here to pray for you at the table of the Lord.